Hi everyone, welcome back to The Torch. I'm Jake. And I'm Kimberly. And we are very excited to have our very first guest of 2019 here today, Paolo Goiz. Paolo Goiz is currently the Dean of the Eller College of Management at the University of Arizona. Originally from Brazil, where he earned his first degree in engineering, he has pursued PhD studies and a career in information systems in the United States, which led him to the University of Arizona to head the top-ranked Management Information Systems Department. Paulo has worked on data science, information systems, and online economic systems from both the knowledge discovery and the education perspectives. We are very pleased to welcome him as our first guest of 2019 on The Torch. Welcome, Paulo. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. We're super excited We're to have you. Excited. We're yeah. excited to have someone, a, a dean. A dean. <laughs> <come> to. <laughs> um, so to, we're going to go straight to the beginning. Um, so you were born in Brazil, right? That's correct, yes. Can you tell us a little bit about your childhood? Sure. I was born uh, in Brazil, grew up uh, in a middle-class family in the third largest city in Brazil. It's called Belo Horizonte. Not many people here has um, uh, have learned or have heard about it because it's not a touristic place. But it's it's a mining kind of a, a community industry. So I grew up there, um, and I went to high school in in the seventies. So family, as I said, middle class. Uh, we are three brothers, one sister. My dad uh, was a civil engineer. And uh, growing up, I kind of um, went uh, and spent a lot of time with him, uh, construction sites. So that kind of uh, defined uh, what I wanted to do at the time uh, professionally. Um, I mean, in Brazil at that time, there were only three viable uh, careers. If you went to, to university, either you become a medical doctor mm. or a lawyer or an engineer. That, that's what your parents kept telling you. No pressure. No pressure. So I was good in math, and that was the, the major criterion for becoming a, an engineer. So I grew up in this city, um, but I always uh, was fascinated with uh, the world and uh, international things. I started to learn English very early on when I was nine or ten years old. And um, I went to this institute that had a lot of ties with the, with the U.S. And uh, I, in the back of my mind, I always had this dream of coming to the U.S. one day, either to pursue uh, additional education or to just uh, travel. So it, it, it was a fun time. Brazil in the, in the 70s, uh, the country was growing fast. Mm -hmm. um, some people talk about the, the Brazilian miracle at the time. A lot of uh, big investments uh, coming from outside Brazil to, to build uh, big dams, uh, uh, a lot of uh, construction opportunities. So it was a natural thing for me to, to go into to civil engineering like my dad. Mm -hmm. And I finished college and, and stayed there for, for a couple of years. Can you move to the area where you sort of came to the United States? What kind of brought you here? Sure, yeah. So I finished my engineering degree got a job with a reasonably large company. I went to the construction site, worked there for a couple of years. But what I really liked about uh, that job was not actually going to the field and supervise uh, the, 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 the subcontractors or, or, or 
I like the, the idea of planning and project management and the logistics. And uh, at that time, I, I started to, to be exposed to computer systems, old mainframes and all those printouts. And, but I, I, I figured that this is very powerful and I really fell in love with computers and technology. And I decided after two and a half years to quit my job as, uh, as an engineer a lot of my friends said, you're crazy, why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> and I went to, from my home city, Belo Horizonte, I went to Rio and mm. uh, enrolled in, in a master's of science uh, in uh, industrial engineering. And uh, over there, I, I had to work on my thesis and projects, but I got exposed to, to the academic world uh, of research, of uh, writing papers. Uh, I had to write a dissertation. And uh, as it turned out, uh, I got in touch with uh, a visitor from the U.S., from the University of Rochester, hmm. who was spending um, a week uh, down there uh, visiting the, the Federal University of Rio de Janeiro. And uh, so I talked a lot with that uh, professor. It's funny, in Brazil, that was early 80s, a lot of economic instability. And uh, at mm. one point in time, the university was on strike. Oh. The students were on strike, the faculty were on strike because of they wanted more, more revenues or more, more, more funds. So this guy was there and then suddenly he didn't have anything to do, right? So I spent uh, the entire week talking to this one person and that really changed my perspective. And I ended up uh, applying and was accepted by the University of Rochester in New York State. Mm-hmm and then came for a PhD, but uh, at that time I shifted from engineering kind of a track, I went to, the, to a school of business, and uh, I got my PhD in business administration. So what was your first impression um, when you came to the United States? So that would have been in the 80s, and you landed in New York? I landed, uh, it was 1985. I, my, f- my destination was Rochester, mm-hmm. upstate New York. Mm-hmm. But I had to land first in New York, New York City. And I had a friend who was uh, working his PhD at NYU, so I decided to spend some time there. Mm-hmm. So my first impression of the U.S. was uh, New York City. Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, th- that, was, that was amazing, right, because you just had, you saw uh, all the things in the movies and <laughs> the TV shows, and then suddenly you're walking in Manhattan, Fifth Avenue, and uh, living. Uh, it, it, it was incredible. Then I... Uh, I came to Rochester, very different from big city. <laughs> it's a mid-sized city uh, next to Lake Ontario, beautiful in the summer. Little did I know that uh, the winters would be very hard <laughs> <laughs> and, and very snowy. But I spent five years of my life uh, over there, and, and I had a good time. It was a, a great program. And uh, within the business school, I specialized in information systems, which uh, I was there from 85 to 1990. And uh, that was uh, days before the internet, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, we could uh, sense what was coming. So it seems like early on, you said you recognized the power of information systems. Um, what what was the first time you sort of like connected how much impact computers would have on the world of business? Well, I think with uh, when uh, the PCs, personal computers, came about, that's. Uh, 
I mean, because before that, it was all mainframes, right? You, you would interact with them through punch cards or through dumb terminals, and you had to wait for the processes to take place and get mm -hmm. the printouts. I think uh, when the PCs came about and that uh, you have something in front of you that you can interact uh, back and forth very easily, that's, I think, when uh, I realized, look, this thing can, can really change uh, the way we live and, and the way we, we, we do things. Uh, forever. Then uh, you had the, the networking revolution where you start networking things together and mm -hmm. communicating and local area networks and and from that point on and then the internet came in the mid 90s started to become popular and then I realized okay if you this I already loved the, the technology and loved what we could do but being part of that roller coaster of one advance after the other, that's really, at least it's fascinating for me. That's what really, until today, that's what uh, I, get, I, I find very exciting. Uh, the rate of change and how things ca can change and how they can impact uh, our lives and, and society and, and the businesses and the economy. So th that's how I got hooked. So you were stuck in the snow in Rochester, although the summers were lovely. And this is how I'm imagining it in my head, so please correct me. You thought, I want to go someplace where you don't have to shovel snow, and so you landed in Tucson? Well, th there was a, a big uh, time period before that, because I graduated in 1990, and uh, my first job, and my wife is also from Brazil, we came mm. together. Okay. And she told me, don't go anywhere that is colder than, than Rochester. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually had an offer to go to University of Wisconsin at Madison, oh. and she said, no way. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up going to, to the University of Connecticut, which mm. was, I convinced her it was five degrees warmer oh. <laughs> and not as much snow, which, which was true. I think that the four seasons were more delineated than, than Rochester. Rochester used to joke they only had two seasons. The the, the winter and the 4th of July. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Connecticut was, uh, was a good time. Uh, we sp I spent uh, many years there. And uh, at one point in time, um, I mean, I made my career over there from assistant professor to full professor, endowed chair. I knew a lot about the, the University of Arizona's uh, MIS department, mm -hmm. Management Information Systems, always top ranked. I knew the faculty there very well and uh, the research and the activities of that department, they aligned very well with, with uh, what uh, I enjoy doing uh, academically. They were looking for a department head. That mm. was uh, 2007. So 17 years went by, I was in Connecticut, right? So oh, wow. You shoveled uh, a lot of snow I then. I shoveled a lot of snow, but, uh, <laughs> but the, the progression <laughs> was uh, initially when you live in a, in a place like that, you get excited, I'll shovel snow. Then mm -hmm. after a couple of years, you buy a snowblower. <laughs> 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 then after a couple of years, you pay someone to come and plow <laughs> your driveway. So It loses its novelty. Uh, that's right, it loses the novelty. But I, I was ready to move. And uh, at that point in time, I thought uh, uh, where I was in my career, the uh, administrative position as department head would be a good thing for me. And uh, so I came down to Tucson, I interviewed, uh, and then waited a couple of weeks, and they made me the offer to be department head, and my wife was jumping with excitement because she couldn't stand <laughs> the, 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 the cold weather anymore. So we, we landed here 
uh, in 2008. That's when I started my my job at uh, at the U of A. Interesting time for business too, right? Interesting time for business. If you remember, 2008 was the beginning of the big recession, mm-hmm. and uh, I took the job as department head. Uh, started it in, in July, and uh, that first semester, a lot of budget cuts. The the state uh, pulled a lot of the support to for higher education, mm-hmm. and uh, so I remember telling people I didn't sign up for this to, to as department head to be handling budget cuts, mm-hmm. but uh, we, we, we survived, uh, and uh, I mean, at this point in time, I'm so happy that I made that decision. It's been almost 11 years, wow. and um, and now I, I'm dean, right, uh, from department head. After seven years, they were looking for a new dean, another search, and I applied, and I ended up getting the job. So, Paolo, we see, and like I told you earlier, we're hearing up here in Phoenix some excellent marketing campaigns from the University of Arizona. Um, And I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about the programs and your approach in Phoenix, because as someone married into a Tucson family of wildcats, although I do have my degree from the other Arizona University. I love the U of A. We love watching U of A basketball. It's a great university. It's such a huge part of the city of Tucson, too. Um, and th- all of that being said, I'm super excited to see your guys' presence here in Phoenix. So can you tell us a little bit about sure. what you're doing up here? I- I'm glad that you like our advertisement uh, efforts here mm-hmm. and, and our visibility mm-hmm. that uh, we want to increase here in, in the Valley. Uh, I- I've been dean now for almost three years. And uh, to me, um, business schools have to be close to business. You need to have that connection, especially with everything that's going on in the world, the speed of change. We talked about the technology as as being the driving force for that. Uh, We have to almost uh, learn together with with industry and uh, work together with companies to to really have have an impact. So I'm a really real believer that's the way to go with the higher education in business, creating exper- experimental environments for, for us to, to work, uh, work together. Experiential learning is always uh, a, a big thing that I'd love to, to, to continue to do. But uh, in addition to that, they have to be closer to where our employers are, people who are going to hire students, offer them internships. Uh, so with the premise that uh, a business school has to be close to business. Uh, I look at the state of Arizona, and I think uh, Phoenix and Maricopa County, that's where the activity is. Mm -hmm. I like to joke that uh, population-wise, Tucson has one million people. Uh, The greater Phoenix has five million people, so it's one to five proportion. Mm -hmm. But in terms of business intensity, I would say it's more like one to 100. Wow. So uh, this is where I think uh, as at the University of Arizona, we have to be here. I think there is room for ASU. Mm -hmm. There is room for the U of A. And I'm thankful that uh, no other universities from outside the <laughs> state are, are coming here yet. <laughs> right. But they are noticing because Phoenix is growing very fast. Uh, I hear 100,000 people a year. Yeah, they are added to the greater population of the Phoenix market. So to me, there is no, it, it, it's a no-brainer. I, the University of Arizona 
the Ella College, our future goes through being more present here in Phoenix. It's better for our students, it's better for our faculty, and I think it's better for the business community as well to, to have another strong university here uh, in the Valley. So we started our marketing campaign to make people aware mm -hmm. that we're here, that we're serious about uh, uh, expanding here in Phoenix. We already had a couple of, of uh, MBA programs that uh, we teach out of uh, the health sciences campus downtown, mm -hmm. Van Buren and, and uh, Seventh. Mm -hmm. uh, we have been teaching those programs for about 10 years now. Oh, wow. Yeah. In Phoenix? Yeah. They, they st we started with a leased location in, in uh, Scottsdale. Mm. We offered them there, but then uh, with the health sciences presence downtown, we thought we would take advantage of the campus and have the identity there. Mm -hmm. So my idea is to expand the programs that we offer here, expand those two MBA programs, uh, attract more students to those, but also uh, expand the array of programs that we offer here. Because we are in the healthcare uh, sciences, the health sciences uh, campus, uh, not only because of that, but uh, we, in our strategic plan for the Ella College, we identified healthcare and healthcare management as one strategic area mm -hmm. for, for the college of business. We think uh, we have a niche there. Not many business schools are doing or investing in healthcare as an area. So, and then in Phoenix, we're already a part of the health sciences program. So we want to expand uh, graduate programs, executive education, uh, professional development programs uh, uh, around the, the area of healthcare management from the business perspective, the business of healthcare. That includes uh, leadership, it includes uh, healthcare innovation, mm -hmm. it includes healthcare, I mean, tying to my original department, MIS, healthcare informatics and da data science, data analytics. Uh, uh, dig digital health, so it's a it, these are huge areas for us, and uh, I think uh, the market in Phoenix is very open for us to to be doing that. We have the partnership with Banner mm -hmm. Health. Uh, Banner acquired our academic hospital down in Tucson and created this partnership with the University of Arizona. So many doors can be open mm -hmm. in many different ways. So we want to be here. Uh, offering and defining programs that uh, we can run. The other area that is very dear to, to us is the area of uh, entrepreneurship. We have uh, an outstanding uh, center for entrepreneurship. We call the McGuire Center of mm -hmm. Entrepreneurship uh, that we run out of the, the Eller College of Management. And uh, entrepreneurship is the new dimension of business that uh, we should be all pursuing. And I think there are many opportunities for us to offer programs related to entrepreneurship. So I think the sky's the limit here. Uh, you mentioned your commitment and loyalty to ASU. Mm -hmm. uh, there is this rivalry coming from outside the state 10 years ago. You understand how deep that runs. <laughs> but it's mainly I, sports, though. But that, that's where I think they should, we should have. I think we can collaborate. We Absolutely. can do joint programs. And the market of higher education is large enough for, as I said, two big universities, and hopefully not more. But uh, <laughs> right. but if you look at a city like Chicago or Philadelphia, they have five million people. Of course, uh, 
they're more mature as city. Uh, but uh, you have 10 to 15 business schools in each one of those cities, mm-hmm. right? So the market should uh, uh, allow us to, to do the, our own thing and collaborate when we, we can. Mm-hmm. So, but this is, uh, I think, the future f- for us to, to, to be more present here, which is uh, a change or a departure from the traditional model of being in Tucson. But for a business school, I think we need to, to be thinking this way. Makes sense. It's better for the students, you know. Better for the students, better for the state. I think we can find ways to keep more of the talent uh, in, in Arizona, especially if you are partnering with um, with the companies, mm-hmm. with industry, and, and working together with them. So we capture the students while they're going through the program, through the internship, through the experiential uh, projects, so that when they graduate, they see that uh, they should be staying here. And I have to say, as an aside, whoever is buying the billboards for Eller College of Management might need a raise (laughs) 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 or a bonus because that is some of the most strategic, perfectly placed billboards you will ever see in probably the United States where, you know, when you're driving into Yuma, Jake is from Yuma. There's one that says this is Wildcat or entering Wildcat country. And then there's the Eller one downtown on 7th Street. Right. There's some really strong marketing. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) Uh, I I, I will extend the kudos to to my marketing team. Sounds good. (laughs) Can we talk about the future of business education? Um, And you did just touch on um, your Center for Entrepreneurship. But at Eller, what are you guys doing to prepare the next generation of entrepreneurs, specifically at the graduate level? Sure. Um, We talked a little bit about the future of business. Uh, I just would like to take a step back and put in the context of the entire university. Uh, We have a new president, Mm -hmm. Dr. Robbins, uh, and uh, he came with great ideas. Uh, he really likes my plan for Phoenix. He's very big into the Phoenix uh, market. Mm-hmm. But he made the entire university uh, population or, or constituents think about what's the future of higher education. Uh, and um, we're framing the whole future of the university around this concept of the fourth industrial revolution. Mm which is, uh, if you think about the different waves of technology changes that uh, kind of uh, established these different revolutions, started with the steam power back in the 1800s, then electricity changed a lot uh, in the late 1800s, then um, computer systems came in the mid mid of the 20th century. Mm And now, so these are the three main uh, revolutions that really change the nature of work, the, the nature of uh, business and, and, and the, 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 the economy. Now we are in an age where you have the digital forces moving very fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have uh, the, 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 the biotechnology and the biosciences moving very fast. And, and then you have... Um, the physical science is also moving very fast. Mm-hmm. So, and they are all converging. They are converging through robotics, artificial intelligence, uh, different energy uh, technologies. And uh, by the combination of, of the integration or the overlapping or the convergence of, of these uh, big, big, big uh, trends, the world is changing very fast. So, 
the jobs that our kids are going to get, the freshmen who came come to the U of A, they're going to be very different. They may not even be available now, mm-hmm. the, 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 that job description. So, so Robbins uh, made us think about uh, what are we going to do. Uh, at, at the same time, because I come from the, the digital technology area, that was the direction I was taking, the Eller College, to embrace the technology changes, uh, leveraging the entrepreneurship program, the innovation that uh, comes out of that, leveraging the, the MIS, the information systems, the uh, data science uh, aspect that we do, and creating the, this future for, for business education. But uh, the two things that I want to point out is, number one, we talk about convergence of different technologies. Mm-hmm. To me, that means in terms of education is interdisciplinary. We need to be pairing up or mixing up business students with engineering students, with science students, with life science students, with medical students at the graduate level, mm-hmm. as, 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 you, as you mentioned, because they need to, to be working together. That diversity of backgrounds and understanding of the problems, uh, and that will lead to, to, to where innovations uh, come from. So interdisciplinary, it has to be a big focus of what we do in, in higher education, especially I- in business. The other piece is the rate of change. We talk about exponential changes uh, because of these feedback loops that the technology advances and uh, create applications that then change uh, the underlying technology again. So the speed of change, uh, it's very hard for us. If you think about the traditional way that uh, we deliver higher education, you have someone who becomes an expert in a field, and they do the research, and then they write a textbook, and then you publish. Now it's online publishing, but then you take it to the classroom, and you deliver lectures, and you prescribe exercises, and you test students. That is kind of uh, slow mm-hmm. for what uh, we need. So we need to be co-creating knowledge and co-consuming knowledge. That's mm-hmm. why I think that partnership with industry and having students work on experiential projects, real projects, I think that's that's the, the future. So it's interdisciplinary, and it is uh, partnerships. And uh, this is what uh, I think uh, is the future of business education. This is what we are, we are moving towards. Uh, we're going to have many, many more of what I'm calling innovation labs where you have these spaces that are designed for innovation. You have a diverse group of students and faculty and business executives uh, together uh, working on data science projects, on technology advancement projects, uh, uh, understanding the impact of of different things. And that is what uh, we really need to, to have. So here in the Phoenix area because uh, our proximity with the College of Medicine, mm-hmm. we are working on developing a, a, a digital health type of um, innovation space uh, where we test n- new diagnostics. But at the same time, the business students are going to learn the new innovation or the new technology solution, but with the, the mind of, is there a market for this? Uh, how would consumers accept this? Mm-hmm. What is the business model for that? 
And uh, asking those questions while the products are being developed, they inform the design uh, of the product. So I think this is the way we should be gearing our programs and mm -hmm. our education. And going back to the entrepreneurship uh, question that, that you asked, uh, entrepreneurship to me is uh, another way to frame business education. Uh, traditionally, all the business schools who who are currently uh, that we think about, they traditionally follow a model from the 1950s and 60s, which is the corporate model. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, people who specialize in accounting, people who specialize in marketing, people who specialize in operations and supply chain and uh, HR. So I have this big kind of uh, compartments. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurship is, uh, is an area that uh, not, we know that more and more, especially the younger students, they want to be doers. They want to be creators. Mm -hmm. And uh, they are not thinking about spending their life in one corporation. That used to be the case, right? E even millennials who are now in the mid to upper 20s and early 30s, mm -hmm. they are thinking about changing jobs every couple of years, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and many of the, especially the, the Gen, Gen Z, they like to be controlling their destiny and they like to be doers, they like to be contributors. So we have to be aware of that and we have to provide them the opportunity to to be trained and to, to get education and knowledge to be entrepreneurs and to be those doers that can create the new ideas and new innovation. And the entrepreneurship program is a great example of how it is experiential because uh, it starts from one idea, mm -hmm. work with teams, and uh, you look at all the different aspects from the technical, from uh, the feasibility of uh, is there a market for this? Uh, what kind of uh, acceptance we'll have? Mm -hmm. to can we make money out of this? The, 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 the business model, mm -hmm. the finances, the legal aspects, how to create a company, how to hire people, how to protect intellectual property. So, all of those things, they are best taught through experience, through really delving into what they need to do and, and uh, finding those answers. So entrepreneurship is a big uh, part of what we do and what we want to do. So from there, I want to pick up on something that you just said, Paolo, which was um, we talk about today's age, there's a lot of online learning. You might want to maybe talk a little bit about what Eller's doing in the online space. So we have massive online open courses, there's audio books. So if I'm someone who's a small business owner and I maybe never um, went to graduate school and I started building my small business or I worked in a, a corporation for the last 10 years and now I'm interested in launching my business, uh, what do you think is the importance of going back and getting that MBA versus just trying to self-teach while you start the business? Because I think there's some different trains of thought, so I'd love to hear what, what you believe well, the value is. Th th there are different trains of thought, and uh, the, the other thing is different models work for, for different people. Uh, an MBA, a full-time MBA, is not for everyone because... Uh, especially if you're working on, um, on a steady job or corporate job, you'll be leaving that job for two years, uh, high investment, and then try to go back to the market. That works for a lot of people, mm -hmm. especially those who want to switch careers. 
you have a job, but you're not quite sure that's what you want to do for life. Or you have an engineering job and you want to know more about business. Mm -hmm. Or you have a uh, some you have a some some job or that you're not very happy with, then you want to launch your own company. So that could be uh, an option for people who have the resources and the time, and they need that time to to gather more skills and, and knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a viable uh, alternative for that. Uh, then there are people who are not really interested in leaving their jobs. They just want to improve their knowledge set and um, pick up uh, a few things, uh, maybe adjacent or different areas. We have uh, a bunch of uh, part-time programs, and that's where the online programs uh, can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. You don't need to leave what you're doing, and uh, you go a- and pick up things uh, online. Mm-hmm. So there, there are d- d- different dimensions. Uh, hybrid programs uh, are becoming more popular, because, especially at the graduate level. Uh, I talk a lot to our uh, MBA students, the evening students who uh, they keep their day job and they go at night mm-hmm. in the evening to, to take courses. And, uh, and I ask, why don't you take it online? And many of them do it online, but many of them also miss that face-to-face interaction, not only with the faculty, but with their peers. Mm-hmm. And the online environment is very hard to, to replicate that. So some people, as I said, different options for different people. Some people are very happy with online. They can do it uh, at their own time. But uh, some people really enjoy the interaction. That's where you establish your network and relationships and, uh, and, and go from there. But the other thing that I wanted to say is that um, we universities are very good of thinking about thinking that our product that we offer to the market is the degree, uh, an MBA or a Master of Science, or a bachelor's. And that degree is a bundle of uh, academic uh, content, uh, experiences, and at the end we just stamp that seal of approval. (laughs) Now you can go and uh, do whatever you want to do, right? But I think uh, that we need to be thinking about uh, uh, a lot of the population uh, especially as things move fast, are not going to be interested in degrees anymore. Uh, it's more like skills mm-hmm. and, and knowledge set. And uh, that's already happening. Uh, if, you th- if you go to, say, the Bay Area, uh, many of the companies, uh, the tech companies, they don't require degrees anymore. They just require that the fact that, okay, you can code Mm-hmm. You can analyze data. You right. can uh, work with this technology stack, and that's what you're going to do. So that there will be a shift. Uh, I I still think that degrees will be valued, uh, but uh, we we as educators have to be think about uh, iterations, iterations, and, and, and these changes. You mentioned that the MOOCs, right? The massive online. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, was very. It got a big splash five six years ago. Mm-hmm. And that was the first uh, signal that people started to, to look at, well, things are going to really change because now I can take a, a course from Stanford University along with 100,000 of other people <laughs> and uh, I can become good at, at this thing. Mm-hmm. But they, they were very splashy, but uh, I don't think uh, that's the, the solution. I, I think that 
It's not what the people, that the market demands. Mm-hmm. Uh, attrition was very high. A lot of people started and very few finished. Mm-hmm. So we still need that uh, closer engagement with the university or the professor that I think uh, is going to be shaping the next wave of, uh, of online education. We all kind of uh, trying different things. We all trying to find uh, what's the, the niche that we, we play well. Mm-hmm. We, our MBA, online MBA, is the, the fastest growing MBA platform. Wow. We have four platforms, like the full-time, evening, exact, and online. Online went from zero to 300 students in, in about three or four years. Wow. So, so there is a market for that. Mm-hmm. But the question is, how can you keep that uh, product different or distinctive from what everybody else is doing? Mm-hmm. And that, that uh, involves, uh, if you can crack that, that uh, question of how can you provide online engagement, mentoring, face-to-face component, uh, along with the online um, delivery, that that's I think um, the, the secret sauce. Question. The secret sauce. <laughs> it's 2019, which is hard to believe. I'm having a hard time remembering to say 2019 versus 2018. Yep. There are so many things in the business world that are moving at a very rapid pace, and you covered a few of those. Right. But what do you sense is maybe one or two of the trends that are coming up in 2019? It could be in in educa- in business education, or it could just be in the business world. Well, I, I think that the one big thing that um, is cat- catching everybody's attention is artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, not many people really understand what that means. Uh, people think about the sci-fi uh, movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that is, is going to change things, uh, I, I believe, uh, dramatically. Uh, so, But artificial intelligence uh, goes together with another uh, piece, which is the data. There is no artificial intelligence if you don't have um, lots of data, mm-hmm. because mo- most of the artificial intelligence relies on looking at the data, processing it, understanding the patterns, and then informing the, the algorithm or, or, or the software. So big data, data analytics, data science, mm-hmm. you continue to, to play a big role associated with that. Uh, you have the, 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 the concept of network science because data is not static, right? Uh, individuals, we have relationships. We relate. Uh, entities have relationships with each other. So being able to look at the network that you can form where individuals are nodes of that network and the relationships are the arcs between the nodes mm-hmm. and understanding how they form, how they, they evolve, uh, the characteristics of that, plus the data that you associate with the, the different nodes and the different relationships and that, and then deploying algorithms that are going to make sense of that and find patterns and uh, so that you can predict things. So th- these are going to be things that uh, are going to be very impactful. Mm-hmm. So, and the, the question is how do you teach that uh, in, uh, in higher education, right? You, at this point in time, uh, you have computer science departments, you have um, information systems types of departments where people look at those, how to develop those algorithms, how to 
to create software that's based on, on AI, AI principles and then can be deployed in different types of applications like fa facial recognition mm -hmm. or predictive models and, and things like that. So in, in a business environment, we have to make uh, our students aware that they will be making decisions aided by those types of, uh, of uh, applications. And uh, we need to, to start incorporating those principles and those uh, knowledge components I into the program. Yeah, making AI accessible seems like a really difficult challenge because when people hear it, like you said, they think of like sci-fi movies, That's right. but it's part of our daily life, whether or not folks realize it or not. So it even can impact the small business owner, right? And how they're marketing or retargeting their consumers oh. on, in the online space. Uh, 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 absolutely. So I think uh, you, 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 you said it very well, make it accessible mm -hmm. and make making people understand uh, the power and how to, to make decisions, how to to utilize those those AI uh, software or components in their daily lives a, a, as a businessman. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the, the, what we need to do a, as a business school or as a university or as an academic environment. We need to distill those things down to to a level where people appreciate what can be done. Absolutely. Uh, a, a lot, lot of talk about uh, robots replacing the workforce, right? Mm -hmm. and, and AI replacing yes, the future of work. The future work, uh, and uh, I believe that uh, big changes will be there. Uh, it, it take a profession like uh, accounting or auditing, which is a big part of accounting. A lot of that is processing data, right, and identifying uh, patterns that uh, maybe. Uh, indicate uh, different uh, characteristics of, of firms and, and transactions. A lot of that can be automated. Mm -hmm. So you, you, there will be a shift from mundane and uh, repetitive tasks to things more like uh, management decisions, uh, leadership. So which uh, a couple of years ago, or even three years ago, people would say, we don't need to form M MBAs anymore because... Uh, there is no market for MBAs. People want the specialization. So there was a trend in many business schools to offer specialty masters mm -hmm. versus MBAs. I, I think that uh, it's, uh, that's the wrong approach because with AI, with automation, with, with uh, deployment of all these uh, systems, we need more of the generalistic thinking. We need more of the general problem solving mm -hmm. uh, thinkers. And the actual management skills. Management and leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are things that uh, I think we'll, we'll need to, to keep pushing and uh, educating our, our, our students with. Because the next generation might be managing people and robots. That's right, <laughs> yeah. Ma managing both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you have to think that all these things, AI, robots, they will complement. And they're never going to be substituting because there are many things that the uh, human brain will never be replaced. We hope. So the, the, the feelings, the sentiments, the empathy, uh, the, 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 the broader view of how things connect, uh, because uh, the way, I mean, the digital technology, it's based on bits and uh, zeros and ones. Uh, they, they, it doesn't lend too much to these uh, kind of uncertain environments. Mm -hmm. So where the human mind is very good at uh, intuition or kind of uh, making things, recognizing patterns. Uh, so 
Awesome. But it's uh, it's, a, it's an interesting time. It's uh, I think what we're going to see in the next ten years will really be be amazing. Speaking of humans, every show we have one question we like to ask, and um, if you could meet one of these humans, living or dead, yeah, who would it be and why? Well, one person that, uh, and I mean, again, I grew up in Brazil, right? Yeah. But uh, I, I spent my entire adult life here in the U.S., so most of my adult life. I came here when I was 28. Uh, I always look at uh, President Abraham Lincoln as someone that uh, really, he was a big manager. I managed the, the country through a very critical um, uh, times. And uh, just making decisions when things are all in turmoil and uh, very critical times. It's probably one of the most consequential presidents. One of the most consequential presidents. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing about him, he was so principled. He he, he really believed in those principles. And uh, I distilled that into my own managerial life, right, which is. I'm the dean of a college. You have different forces uh, working. Uh, sometimes you have to deal with uh, controversial situations. You have to rely on, on, on strong principles. And uh, so I think uh, President Lincoln would be someone that uh, it would be amazing to to meet. Even to just sit in an audience and listen to one of his speeches. He's oh, an amazing writer. Oh, amazing writer, exactly. So And orator. And yeah. orator, yeah. <laughs> Jake was actually reading me one of his speeches earlier. Oh, and really? It was very profound. It was oh, a, wow. a piece of a speech I hadn't ever yeah. heard. It wasn't the Gettysburg Address. No, <laughs> it was his. Um, at, it was his Lyceum Address. It was a portion of his Lyceum Address, mm. speaking about you know the fate of the country and it being in the hands of the people who represent the country, which is all of us, you yeah. know, rather than an outside force. Right. Uh, no, it's very powerful. Yeah, very, very powerful and very, still very timely and, mm -hmm. and extremely relevant. So do you have any final piece of advice? We've covered so many topics, your life, your work at the U of A, what Eller is doing for the business community. Do you have a, a piece of inspiration or tip to leave us with? As uh, we're talking and engaging this great conversation here, I... In the back of my mind, I, I was thinking about my own uh, journey. And uh, I think at the end, it's all about uh, sticking to what you believe in and making sure that you're making the world better around you. And that's what I try to do um, as dean. Well, we're very glad to have you here at the Better Business Bureau. Well, <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. We here at The Torch would like to thank Dean Goys very much for taking time out of his busy schedule to join us as our first guest of 2019, and what a fantastic episode it turned out to be. This episode was kind of difficult for me because, you know, when you're conducting an interview, you've got to be engaging and have an interesting conversation for the audience to listen to. But Paolo is so intelligent and articulate, I just kind of found myself engrossed in everything he was saying. Thankfully, Kimberly was there to keep the conversation going. I hope you learned a lot about the future of entrepreneurship and especially the new and exciting initiatives going on at the Eller College of Management. On that note, who do entrepreneurs turn to when they need their vision to be refueled or where do they go for sparks of inspiration? Ignite, sparked by BBB, fuels entrepreneur growth, sales, impact, and success. 
Ignite also sparked the torch, making it possible for our audience to hear such great content about the world of business and entrepreneurship. If you're interested in dropping in or reserving co-working space at Ignite sparked by BBB, please inquire at ignite at bbbcommunity.org or visit us at our Maricopa County campus in Central Phoenix. We hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please rate and review it anywhere you listen to podcasts. I want to remind you that if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or requests, you can send them to the Torch Podcast at bbbcommunity.org, and we will get back to you. See you next time, folks.